Welcome to the Loving Liberty Network. You are listening to the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense, the real defenders of the home front. We are here when it comes to defending our families and our communities. I'm your host today, Delaine England, and we're so happy to have you join us. I just want to ask you, when was the last time you had a five-minute conversation with somebody that you didn't talk about COVID? It seems to have just consumed our lives in every way and every conversation. So I love Christmas. I love Christmas time. It is such a wonderful, uplifting, fun time of the year. And it just fills my heart with so much love and so much joy. So I thought that it would be fun to um, change the topic today. We're going to talk about Christmas and I'm going to share some, some Christmas stories. But one of my very favorite Christmas songs is I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And Christmas music, it touches our hearts and it brings people together. What we don't often realize, though, is that nearly every song is rooted in an experience. The inspiration comes from the songwriter's life and its trials and difficulties that often give rise to the most famous and beautiful songs. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's life was filled with tragedy. His first wife died from a miscarriage. And then he did marry again, and he was shaken from his work when his wife ran into his study, screaming. Her dress was enveloped in flames. She had been sealing envelopes with hot wax when the flames caught her dress and caught it on fire. The fiery plumes shot above her head, singeing the face he loved most. So Henry grabbed a heavy rug from the floor. He smothered the flames with it and then with his own body. Eventually, the fire was out, but it was too late. Henry and his wife, Fanny, were both badly burned. For Fanny, the burns would prove fatal. She died the next day on July 11, 1861, and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was left a widower again. The death marked a turning point in Longfellow's life. His physical appearance changed dramatically as he began growing his beard because the burns disfigured his face and he found it painful to shave. Mentally, he sank into a deep depression. Winning Francis's affection had taken Longfellow years to convince her to marry him and their 18-year marriage was the happiest time of his life. In the wake of her death, he spent much of his time translating other works instead of his own creative works. At this time, Longfellow was one of the most famous poets in the world. In fact, Queen Victoria later wrote in her diary about what a commotion Longfellow's appearance at Windsor Castle had caused among her servants. Henry and his wife had spent 18 very happy years together. They were raising five children. Fanny's death was shocking and just so discouraging. The long years that followed brought Longfellow depression and loneliness. 
The fact that Americans were killing each other in the Civil War didn't help. To make matters even worse, during the height of the war, Henry's and Fanny's only living son, Charles, snuck away and joined the Union Army against his father's wishes. After joining the military, he wrote home to tell his dad he had become a soldier. He wrote, Dear Papa, you know for how long a time I have been waiting and wanting to go to war. I have tried hard to resist the temptation of going without your leave, but I cannot any longer. I feel it to be my first duty to do what I can for my country, and I would willingly lay down my life for it if it would be of any good. God bless you all. Yours affectionately, Charles. So here, Henry had gone through the death of two wives. The Civil War was just, as we know, this, the country was divided. It was very, very difficult. Then his son goes off to war. And then on December 1st, 1863, he received a telegram saying that his son had been badly wounded. A Confederate bullet had torn in through one of Charles' shoulders, grazed his spine, and then exited through the other shoulder. Longfellow immediately boarded a train and headed to Washington to help tend the wounds. On Christmas Day in 1862, he would record in his journal, a Merry Christmas say the children, that that is no more for me. Even 18 years later, he would still be mourning Francis's loss when he wrote The Cross of Snow. But God has a way of bringing good out of even the most painful events in life. On Christmas Day that year, prompted by his own heaviness of heart, Longfellow penned these words to Christmas bells. He wrote a poem. When he wrote it, it was originally a poem. And then it was later changed into a song. And in writing this poem, he began with despair. But then he nudged his own heart and the heart of his readers out of that despair and toward hope. Years later, in 1872, John Baptist Calkin set Henry's poem to music and created a popular Christmas song that reminds us even today that there is always hope, no matter what turmoil surrounds us. Since then, Longfellow's words have been sung by everyone, literally, from Frank Sinatra to Johnny Cash to Casting Crowns and even by myself. Longfellow endured great tragedy in his life, but I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day is a song of hope, of faith, and of trust. Over a century and a half after the words were originally penned, it still serves as a reminder that God really does make all things work together for good. So while we're living in this really difficult time, it's more difficult for some than others, but many people have lost their income. Many people have lost hope. Many people are very isolated. And it is a very difficult time for so many people. And I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas in your family. And I'd like to just extend a, an invitation that we can focus on our blessings. Because I do believe that gratitude is one of the biggest keys to finding happiness in our hard times. I like to try to start every day with a list of things I'm grateful for. And then 
I try to end every day with a list of things that I'm grateful for. Because when we focus on the things that we're thankful for, we notice those things, it brings, it's such a synergy. It brings about blessings. It brings about many good things. It's amazing how when we are depressed and sad and feeling sorry for ourselves and we're a victim, things get worse. It's, it just tends to bring more bad things. So I would just like to extend, this is a great time to be grateful that no matter what our conditions are, there are always things that we can be grateful for and that we can focus on. And I hope that we will include music into our lives. I know many people at church are able to sing. It's a great time to get together with your friends and family and get people together and sing some great songs. I know I, I got together with some friends this week. Oh, my heavens. It was so uplifting, so inspiring. It was just so fun to just get together and sing. Music is so transformational. It really warms the heart. And there's so many beautiful Christmas songs. So I hope that everyone will enjoy some Christmas music, learn some Christmas songs, and that we will count our blessings and recognize we do live in the most amazing country that God ever created. We're going through some difficult times. We don't know what's going to happen. Either way, it's going to be difficult. Whatever happens with this election, we are going to have hard times. It's going to be difficult. But if we lay our hearts and our, our faith and our trust in God and the Savior, we are going to get through it because we also know it's a great time of miracles. We are going to have great miracles happen. And I just, I just want to reinforce the words that Brian Hyde said. If you are feeling down, there is someone reaching out to you. Reach out to them. Do not push them away. And if you're, if you're feeling down, it's also a great idea to reach out to somebody. There is nothing that makes you feel better than reaching out to someone and lifting them. It's very healing. We're going to take a, a real quick break, and we're going to be back for some more Christmas stories. Be right back. you take advantage of today's low mortgage rates and save money? Rocket can. You could save hundreds of dollars every month by refinancing with Rocket Mortgage at today's near historic low rates. If your current rate is over 4%, with today's low rates, you could lower your payment by over $150 a month, saving thousands in interest every year. With a cash out refinance from Rocket Mortgage, you could consolidate and pay off high interest debt, tackle home improvements that could add value to your home, or even set aside cash for your child's future education. We've already helped over 1 million clients just like you reach their home financing goals this year alone. So remember this, what can give you the technology to refinance easily and save money? Rocket can. 
Call us today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com. That's 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com. Savings are based on quick loans, internal data, rates and fees may apply. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. Analysis consumer access.org. Number 330. You've heard me talking about my pillow for three years, folks. It's the truth. I get the best sleep of my life with a MyPillow. You can do it, too. 60-day money-back guarantee, 10-year warranty made in the USA. You'll sleep well or you'll get your money back. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special, use my promo code USA, get two MyPillow premium pillows for the price of one, or call 1-800-951-8175. Get the best sleep of your life and do it now. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. When I first switched over, because I stopped taking the other supplements I was taking and switched over all the way to Balance of Nature, I really noticed a huge difference. It was amazing. Like better sleep, better attention, better energy. It was just really, really great. Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code USA. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand and you care about your credit, call Consolidated Credit now. If the interest rates on your credit cards are so high, it'll take years to get out of debt. Call Consolidated Credit now. They've helped over 6 million people with credit card debt. Without destroying your credit, they can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. The program works. Call Consolidated Credit now. Call Welcome back to the Loving Liberty Network. This is the Liberty Mom Show. We're so happy to have you join us today, and we want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And I just want to suggest that no matter what is going on in your life and around the country, the state, and the world, we really do have the power to make it very, very merry. I want to share one of my very favorite stories I've ever read. I just love it. It's called A Christmas Dress for Ellen. I just love this story. I think it has so many great lessons in it. So It's just beautiful. So I hope that you will enjoy it. If you've heard it before, you won't mind hearing it again. It was December in 1927 in a remote prairie town of Hillspring, Alberta, Canada. A young mother, Mary Jepson, was getting her five small children ready for bed. Her heart was so full of sorrow and concern, she felt it would surely break. It was Christmas Eve. And all of the children, except for the oldest, Ellen, that was 10 years old, were dancing around, excited to hang their stockings for Santa to come. Ellen sat very subdued in the corner of the cold, small, two-roomed house. She felt that her mother was wrong to let the children build up their hopes for Santa to come, for there would be no Santa. There was nothing to fill the stockings. There would be only a little mush for breakfast. Just a week earlier, The family's only milk cow had died of starvation. 
The winter had just started and already it was cold and harsh. Can you imagine the difficulties? Times were hard. Ellen, being the oldest, had too much responsibility put on her thin young shoulders. She had become very cynical, and childhood hopes and dreams and excitements had been put out of mind much too early. Mary helped each one of her children to hang a little darned and mended stocking, but she couldn't persuade Ellen to participate. All Ellen could say was, Mother, don't do this. Don't pretend. After the stockings had been hung, Mary read to the children the Christmas story from the Bible and then recited a few Christmas poems from memory, memories of her own happy childhood. Now Mary sat all alone by the dying fire. Her husband Leland had gone to bed several hours earlier, feeling sad and discouraged. Mary knew that he felt he had failed his wife and his children. She thought of their plight here in this land of ice and snow. Spring had come very late and winter had come very early for the last two years, causing all their crops to freeze and fail. In October, Mary had received a letter from her sisters living in Idaho. They told her that they knew times were very hard for her. And although they had suffered some setbacks themselves, they wanted to know what they could send the family for Christmas. Mary hadn't written back right away. She was really reluctant to tell them how poor and destitute the family really was. Finally, in November, seeing that things were not going to get any better, in desperation, she wrote back. She requested only necessities. She told them of her family's urgent need for food, especially wheat, yeast, flour, and some cornmeal. She added that it would be a blessing if they could ship just a bit of coal because it was so cold and their fuel was down to almost nothing. I mean, think about that in these times, just go outside and, or just imagine your house with no heat, even in your homes, even in our beautiful homes. Imagine not having any heat in this cold. She asked for some old used quilts for all of hers had been worn thin and were full of holes and they could no longer keep her children warm. Also, she requested some worn out pants to cut up and used to once again patch the pants her boys were wearing. Don't you love? She didn't ask for new pants for her boys. Just send me some rags that I can cut up and, and mend their, their pants. She mentioned their desperate need for socks and shoes and gloves and warm hats and coats. At the close of the letter, she had written, if you could just find a dress that someone has outgrown, I could make it over to fit Ellen. She's far too somber for such a young girl. She's worried so about the family and about our needs. She has only one dress, and she wears it all the time, and it's patched and faded. Think about that when you go to get something out of your closet, just having one dress. The week before Christmas had found Leland daily hitching up the horse to the sleigh and making the three-hour round trip from Hillspring into the town of Cardston to check at the train station and post office for a package from Idaho. Each day, he would receive the same disappointing answer. Finally, on the day of Christmas Eve, he left early in the morning, went into Cardston, and waited for the only daily train. He checked at the post office as well. He left at noon, however, to return home to Hillspring before dark. He left without a package. 
He rode home. He wept openly, knowing how sad Mary would be. Now, as Mary ceased her reminiscing, she realized how cold she was. The fire in the stove was all but out. The clock on the wall showed that it was 3.30 in the morning. She looked up the little sad little mended stocking still hanging empty and felt that her heart was hanging just as empty. Outside, the wind was blowing at about 70 miles an hour. The snowstorm had intensified. She was just about to put out the lantern and go to bed for a few hours when suddenly there was a knock at her door. Mary opened the door to find a man standing there with his son. For all the world, he looked exactly like what she would expect Santa himself to look like. He was covered with frozen snow and ice. For a moment, Mary doubted her senses, but then she realized it was George Sidney Shaw, the mailman from Cardston. He belonged to their neighborhood and he knew the plight of the family. He told Mary that he knew of their waiting for the package from Idaho and that he knew there would be no Christmas without it. George Shaw was a good man. He had graduated from the University of Utah and he had years before been stricken with a disease that caused him to gradually go blind. He received a blessing and he had miraculously regained partial sight in one eye. He was no longer able to work in his chosen profession of being an engineer. He had found work as a postman and was able to support his family, Ingberg, and their eight children. On this particular day of Christmas Eve, George, with a team of horses pulling his sleigh, had traveled through a violent snowstorm to deliver the mail to half a dozen of more communities near Cardston. When he returned to the post office that afternoon, he was so cold and so exhausted that he ached throughout his body. He longed to settle his horses for the night and join the family celebration in his warm, cozy home. But someone from the train station came by the post office to tell him that 10 large crates had arrived from the States for the Jepson family. It was about four in the afternoon, but already it was dark. The storm was getting worse. George's horses were shivering with cold. They were soaking wet. They'd been out in the elements all day. They were not capable of making another trip. So the mailman decided, it's just too late. There just isn't anything I can do about that. So George went home to his eager family. He placed the Christmas tree in the living room. The children joyfully gathered around to decorate it. Although he was surrounded by happy activity and by the delicious aroma of traditional Danish holiday foods, George could not shake off the thoughts of the struggling Jepson family and the packages waiting at the post office. Okay, I hope you're on the edge of your seats. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back to finish the story.
Welcome back. You're listening to the Loving Liberty Network. This is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense, the real defenders of the home front. We are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. So we're telling the story of a Christmas dress for Ellen. It's one of my very favorite stories. And so we're just telling about how they had all gone to bed, except the mother, Mary, in just total despair and discouragement. And then George, the postman, felt, oh, it's way too late to get started. I'm going to go home to my family. There's no way I can go that trip in this horrible storm. I don't have any horses that could possibly do it again. And so he went home, but he wasn't really having a lot of fun. So he and his wife decided the only thing they could do, he was going to have to leave. They would take the crates out to the Jepsons' isolated farmhouse in Hillspring that very night. I just want you to think about what a sacrifice that is. Everybody wants to spend Christmas Eve with their family. And after being so cold and being gone all day, are, are we not just exhausted and feel like, wow, I, I've done my job. I've done everything I can. They can wait. I'll take it to them later. But George felt very much that he should go ahead and take, he should leave his family and take the packages. So he borrowed a team of horses and he borrowed a sleigh with that had sharper runners than his sleigh did. And he set out for the Jepson home. He was accompanied by his 15 year old son, Sydney, because his wife was insisted. She said, you know what? It's hard enough for you to drive the team when you, with your blindness in the daytime, but at night it would be very dangerous. Plus it would be much better for him to have some companionship. And so Sydney went along with, and though it was a fierce prairie blizzard, it was just getting worse and worse. So cold out there. So Ingeborg and the children, they got, packages already. They sent them on their way with sandwiches and little candies and snacks that they could eat. They got the hot rocks, hot rocks out of the fireplace. They wrapped them in blankets so that they could kind of snuggle up to those and keep their feet warmer on the journey. And so George and his son, Sydney, they were struggling to find their way through this blinding snowstorm. You think about how hard it is in a car when you're on a road, when on a freeway and there's a blizzardy store and it's hard to, to see your way, let alone on a sleigh. So several times they felt prompted. They prayed that they would reach their destination safely and they felt prompted to go a certain way. But the snow drifts were deepening hour by hour. The horses kept plodding along more and more slowly because they were tired and cold. At last, Eight hours later, they arrived at the farmhouse. They were so relieved to see one small light was still on at the house. So when George and Sydney knocked on the door and entered the home, they saw how bare and humble it was, and they knew why. They had felt so urgently prompted to make the trip that night. After the postman had told Mary about his decision to come, he and his son brought the 10 crates of gifts into the home. Mary insisted that they stand by the stove to get warm. She got some of Leland's clothes to replace their frozen wet clothing. 
By this time, it was nearly five o'clock in the morning, and George and his son headed back in the sleigh back towards their town and towards home. That was eight hours later, and it would take them that long to get back because of the severity of the storm. So they wouldn't get home until Christmas Day at noon or probably later to be with their family. Mary thanked them both but as best she could, but she always said that there was just not words to express her thanks. She just couldn't really express to them how grateful she really was. After all, she said, how do you think a miracle and a Christmas miracle at that? So Mary quickly began to unpack the crates. She had only an hour before the children would be awakened. At the top of one of the crates, she found a letter from her sisters. They told her that quilting bees had been held all over Malad, Idaho. From those six thick, warm, beautiful quilts had been made for them. They also told her of the many women who had sewn shirts for the boys and dresses for the girls and others who had knitted warm gloves and hats. The donation of the socks and shoes had come from people for miles around. The Relief, the Relief Society had held a bazaar to raise money to buy the coats. And all of Mary Jepson's sisters, their nieces, their cousins, aunts and uncles in Idaho, got together and they baked breads and they made candy and made all kinds of goodies to send. There was even a crate half full of beef that had been cured and packed so that it could be shipped along with two or three slabs of bacon and two hams. The letter closed with these words. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas and thank you for making our Christmas the best one we've ever had. So Mary's family awakened that Christmas morning to what to them was a miracle. Bacon was sizzling on the stove. Hot muffins were ready to come out of the oven. There were jars and jams and jelly and canned fruit. For each boy, there was a bag of marbles. And for each girl, there was a little rag doll made just for her. Every stocking that was hanging was stuffed full of homemade taffy. Fudge, divinity, dried fruit of every kind. Later, Mary and Leland were to find, tucked in the toe of the stockings that had been sent for them, a few dollars with a little note that the money was to be used to buy coal for the rest of the winter. Made sense, a lot easier to send a little money to buy coal than it was to send coal. The most wonderful miracle, though, occurred when Ellen, the very last to get up, rubbed her eyes in disbelief as she looked at the spot where her stocking was supposed to have been hung the night before, but she refused to hang it. And she saw hanging there a beautiful red Christmas dress. It was trimmed with white and green satin ribbons. She had later said that it was the most wonderful Christmas ever. That morning with the Christmas dress for Ellen, a childhood had been brought back, a childhood of hopes and dreams and and of the miracle of Christmas. May all of us welcome the Savior of the world into our hearts and into our Christmas celebrations. May we experience the joy of setting aside convenience and personal comfort 
in favor of Christian service. Then we may learn, as did an ancient prophet, that when we are in the service of our fellow beings, we truly are in the service of our God. I love that story because I think there's so many great lessons there. I love how humble they were and how Mary never gave up. She just had so much faith and trust in the Lord. She didn't give up. She kept going and trusting that some miracle would happen. I love how George and his son thought, you know what, this is going to make our Christmas and decided to do what they were prompted to. I love how the ladies got together and they decided, you know what, we can make a lot of stuff and we can do things and they found things to do. And I just love it. And they, they had so much fun. There's so much joy in doing that. I just want to share with you a suggestion with dealing with our homeless people. I, I just can't even imagine when I just go outside for a walk or just go outside for whatever reason in this cold at night. It's so bitter cold and I can't imagine being homeless. And we do have a serious, sad homeless situation across the world, but right here in Salt Lake and really everywhere. And so I've learned that one of the most important things for homeless people to have is socks. Because once they get wet and they perspire or just their their socks get wet, if they take their socks off to dry them, their feet are freezing. And if you wear your socks, you can't ever dry them. You don't, your socks never dry if you're wearing them wet. So one of the greatest gifts that we can do is give the homeless shelters socks. And it's very easy. It's such a simple thing to do. And it really will change the lives of so many homeless people because when they have wet feet and wet socks, they never get warm and they don't get dry and they get sick. And then life is a spiral. And so many of them really just need to know that there's someone that out there that loves them and cares about them and would do for them. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back. Merry Christmas. Dr. Baker, an ER physician. If you're having leg pain, swelling, or redness, but haven't talked to your doctor yet, don't wait. This could be deep vein thrombosis, a blood clot which could travel to your lungs and lead to a pulmonary embolism, which could cause chest pain or discomfort or difficulty breathing and be deadly. Your symptoms could mean something serious, so don't wait. Talk to a doctor right away by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. Order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you too. Call 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. 
Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. Order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you too. Call 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. The number one gift in this stressful year, relaxation from Homedics. Soothing stress for over 35 years, Homedics is the top home massage products brand with gifts for every aching muscle on your list with free shipping on orders over $50. Holiday supplies won't last, so avoid the rush while you can at H-O-M-E-D-I-C-S dot com. Get the perfectly relaxing, perfectly affordable gift now at Homedics.com and major retailers everywhere. We all have health goals, but let's face it, you are living in some fantasy world if you think you are suddenly about to start eating better. In fact, have you thought of this? How many different servings of fruit have you eaten today? How many servings of vegetables? And sorry, Dad, French fries and ketchup don't count. The experts recommend eating over 10 servings of fruits and vegetables each day. That's where Balance of Nature comes in. With three fruit and three veggie capsules, Balance of Nature gives you all your daily recommended servings and contains 31 different fruits and vegetables. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of fruits and veggies. Change your life now by calling 800-2468-751. That's 800-2468-751. Or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA. Welcome back to the Loving Liberty Network. This is the Liberty Mom Show. This is Delane England. And I want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And I, I just feel like I'd like to share kind of a story from my own life, my own childhood. When I was six years old, my my dad really did not like Christmas because he loved, loved the Savior. He loved that, but he didn't like shopping, and he didn't like going out and just spending money to spend money and going out and buying presents for everybody and just because you have to get something. And so he, we got, he got our family together, and he presented an idea to us. My dad was really great, a lover of travel, which I think is where I get. I love traveling. It's one of the greatest ways to share experiences with your family and to learn. It's the greatest education is traveling. So he presented to us, he said, I would like to present an idea. Instead of getting Christmas presents, how about if we go on a vacation and we go down to Mexico and we can spend some time in California, but let's go down to Mexico and spend some time. So I was second to youngest. I was only six years old. I did not believe that my family, my parents would really not buy me any Christmas presents. So I was just all excited. We won't get as much, but we don't, you know, it's okay. It's going to be fun. We, were, we all chose in. We all voted. We were all super excited. And so we planned this trip to Mexico. And we didn't know this at the time, but when we got to Mexico, we did have a fun trip. We went every single year from the time I was six till my parents kept going even after I didn't live at home. But um, once we got there, I found that the reason that my dad wanted to go to Mexico is he wanted to take us and show us how some, he loved Mexico very much so, and he loved the Mexican people, but he wanted to show us 
how blessed we were and show us the happy, happy people in Mexico that had so little and they didn't fight and argue with each other. They got along and they were so happy. And he wanted us to see that because he felt that we were very spoiled and that we had too much. Well, we got on that first Christmas morning. We we were like, mom, we got to put our socks out. And of course we had no, my mom had brought a little tiny 12 inch Christmas tree set on the table. And we stayed in our camper, a trucking camper. And um, she got, we put the little tree out and then she's like, well, put your socks out. So we got our socks that we wear, you know, that you wear around. We each put one of the stockings out and um, then we went to bed thinking fully that we would receive presents in the morning. And we got up in the morning and our stockings were empty. There wasn't anything in there. (laughs) There was nothing underneath the Christmas tree. And they said, hey, what should we do today? Should we go to the beach and go out to the ocean and go swimming? And I, my little brother and I, we just sat and cried. We literally sobbed and had the biggest pity party for about an hour, just feeling so sorry for ourselves. He was five and I was six. And then we realized it wasn't going to help anything. That wasn't going to change anything. So we went on this really fun hike and we went swimming and we just had an amazing, fabulous day. We had so much fun and we just had so much fun on that trip and just went from one thing to the next and just had a great time. And like I say, we had so much fun and my dad really loved it. He really enjoyed it. And we found that we went every single year. My dad really enjoyed going on this, these trips and having fun and we all loved it. And it taught us so much. I, I know people really do like to get, especially kids, they like to get Christmas presents, but Really, it was, I just have to tell you, it was really great for us because I really stopped, even at such a young age, I stopped caring about presents at Christmas. It was just a non-issue. Although it was a little bit difficult when I would get home and my friends would say, come on over. And I'd go over to play with my friends and they would show me all of the presents. There are so many. They just had tons. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't even imagine. I, you know, we never got that kind of stuff even before, when, before we went on the trip. So it wasn't ever going to happen to us. But that was kind of the only time it was really painful. We learned to really love it. And we, loved to, we learned to love to do things together and create experiences and memories. And so that has been really, really fun. And I've really kept that tradition with my family. My kids will tell you, I'm really not very good at buying presents. My husband is really, he's just like, we have to get the kids stuff. And I'm more like three things is plenty. And he likes to really go all out. But I, I really love it when people give me my children and my husband will give me acts of service and, and just kindness and things like that. I just absolutely love it. It's so much fun. It just really is brings, it just makes, warms my heart. And I know they're really giving something of themselves. And there's so many great times when we can do that. And, and, you know, there's just fun things we can do. Like we would always make wrapping paper with our, with our kids. We would make potatoes and make designs in the potatoes and then dip them in paint and then punch, um, punch them onto to plain paper and make wrapping paper and the kids love doing that there's making gingerbread houses is always a really fun thing to do and doing you know 12 days of christmas or secret santa things i always really love doing that and 
we live in an interesting time. You do have to be careful um, because some people can get their feelings hurt. So you have to be careful about who you do that to. I know we did Secret Santa to a friend of mine. We had so much fun. We just had so much fun. We loved doing it. And the kids would give things that they would have gotten and they, they spent their money buying presents. And um, she felt like she didn't know who did it, but she just talked to me one day and she, she just said, oh, somebody did this. And it, it made me feel bad because I'm not poor. I'm a single mom, but I'm not poor, which was never our intent. Absolutely never our intent. But there are really magical, fun things you can do to just help someone feel loved and to feel remembered. And I think especially right now when so many people, especially elderly people, are very secluded and they're very alone, I think that, that they are great older people and people that are not getting together with their families would be great people to, to focus on and you know, I just taking a bowl of soup over to them, um, just taking them. It doesn't have to be sweets, just taking them something that, that they would really enjoy and eat. Because so many times when you get elderly, you don't really want to cook for yourself. You don't even know you're hungry until food is placed before you. So I know when my mother was on her, my father passed away and my mom lived alone in St. George and I had a young family and I was going back down there every other weekend, but I just loved it when the neighbors or somebody would take some food over to her because she didn't cook for herself. And so I just want to remind everybody to remember the people who are secluded or who are elderly, just remember them. And it doesn't have to be expensive or big, just taking them some, and it doesn't have to be a sweet either. It doesn't have to be candy, but just taking them something some nice hot meal over is just fantastic. If we're cooking a dish anyway, it's really easy to just take your leftovers or take a little something over to them. So, Brian, what are your plans for Christmas this year? We're going to shelter in place and wear masks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just teasing <laughs> you. Um, no, we're uh, we're going to uh, we're developing a little uh, holiday tradition of going to uh, Bear Lake. And spending some time with uh, my wife's sister and her husband. Uh, they have a little cabin they've built there. And so that's what we're going to do. It's going to be cold. <laughs> but Oh, it's going to be cold and so beautiful. It's beautiful up there. We will have bonfires and we will have togetherness. And we will freeze and eat lots of good food and have a great time. You will. You'll have a super time. And being there with your family, that is really what Christmas is all about, is being together, creating memories and enjoying memories. Yeah, it's funny the the well from which they get their water. The water's very very heavy with iron. So it, this is going to sound gross, but it smells like blood. When you're taking a shower, it's like, "Oh my goodness, it smells like I'm showering in blood." But we we've developed this attitude of um it just feels so good to have a warm shower and they really they have like the instant water heater that, you know, never oh, runs yeah. out of hot water. So we always joke whenever anybody comes out from having had a shower and someone will ask, how was your shower? And the, the correct answer, the only answer is best shower ever. Absolutely. I love it. That's beautiful. <laughs> and it does make you grateful for your shower at home. Oh, it does. And it makes you grateful to have a warm shower. I mean, really, when, when we would go to Mexico and California, we would, we stayed in our camper and I would shower at the, at the rest areas. And 
I would go out there and I'd wash my hair and my hair would freeze and I couldn't touch it while it was frozen because it would just break off. It would just crack and break off. And so I was so grateful to be able to have a shower, but it made me really appreciate a warm shower at home. So while our time is up, I wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I hope you have so much fun finding ways to lift and serve one another. 